Miles Ray, it is a pleasure, sir, to be with you. Episode 15 of the podcast. How are you doing, my friend? We, we have a fun one. Tristan, it's great to be with you. Episode 15. Something happened this last week that hasn't happened in a while. I kind of forgot it could happen, but the Seahawks played a football game. Mm. And when the game ended, they had more points on the scoreboard than the opponent. That goes down as a win, technical term, football term, uh, in the standings. And it wasn't just a win. You know, I was thinking this might not look great if you look back in Seahawks history. Like, wow, they went from 6-7 and seven to 7-7. Seven and seven. But this, this was a thrill ride. This was a genuine emotional It'd be hard to look back in history and just see that this was this was a huge emotional high. Not just the way this game was won. It, it was thrilling. That's kind of a fun point. Yeah, that uh, 10 years from now, this is a game that probably just gets lost. We look at a record and we're like, oh, yeah, look, there's a win. But not realizing how much the last four weeks have hurt and how difficult it's been and and knowing that if you don't get this win, you're kind of up a creek without a paddle for the rest of the year. So, yeah, to your point, what a what an incredible, incredible win. What a fun time. I was at my daughter's uh, Christmas performance. Um, it, of course, they scheduled it for Monday night. Had to be there at 530. Um, so the the folks running the Christmas show could not have done a better job to sabotage. Um, luckily for me. TiVo has been around for quite a while and YouTube TV has their own version of TiVo, whatever it's called, was able to watch the game with, ooh, can you hear that? Um, can, can you hear the, the sound effects behind me right now? We sure can. I was going to say, it, it, I don't know if the listeners heard it, but there's an additional crispness. Uh, yeah. A lush forest air coming through since you are in the motherland right now. And yeah. Uh, some beautiful sirens on top of that from from, from the Seattle Hawks nest itself. That's right. So yeah, breaking news. Um, we 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 took the show on the road this week. We're up in Seattle for Christmas visiting family. And to your point, the sirens that you all just heard are genuine Seattle sirens. The the good um, uh, emergency workers, right? The police officers. Maybe it was an ambulance. I'm not entirely sure. But but they're out there first responding to the good people of Seattle. And, and that's what you just heard. Um, so, yeah, this is a special Christmas podcast, uh, Miles. This is our um, dual Northwest where we have a we have two tight ends in the backfield um, this week. You you in uh, Oregon and, and me in Washington. So nice for the people to know that this is a 100 percent Arabica podcast coming to you from the northwest i i think they can hear the authenticity coming through yeah mm -hmm. for sure um and the city's gorgeous by the way we're having a great time um anywho on monday i had the christmas performance and then had to come home and you know kind of so this was one of those games where i couldn't look at my phone i'm just glued on to the tivo okay here we go we gotta see are we gonna win this one or not i'll admit the final drive, I was so on the edge of my seat that I was doing one of those, like trying to skip between 
you know, the the huddle moments, you know, I was like, let's just get to the next play, get to the next play, get to the next play, um, which means that tensions were high in the Amundsen household because typically I enjoy just watching a game in the flow of a game and I couldn't do it. I was like, I need to know right the second what happens on the next play on this final drive. So it was a bit of a um, helter skelter kind of episode or a, a, a um, what is it that we watch a football game for me, but incredible, incredible win, man. I mean, so, so here's a question I wanted to ask you. We think about this. Let's just talk about the offense for a second. Who had a better game or who had a bigger impact on this game? And there's no wrong answer. DK Metcalf, Drew Locke, Kenneth Walker, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, when you watch the game, like which one of those you're like, Tristan, this is the guy like this does not happen without this guy. And I, it's an impossible question, by the way, you can't answer it, but give it your best shot. You know, I think the beauty of this game, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, like a politician here. I'm going to yeah. sidestep your question completely. Cause I do actually think the beauty of this game was what a, th- what a thoroughly team win it was. And I, I was thinking a lot about, that whole secondary, Seahawks secondary, was pretty much backup players. And I know Hertz was a little bit sick. Didn't look that sick when he was out on the run. He had 13 rushes for like 82 yards, and that included a lot of the brotherly shoves in there. So his wheels were working just fine. He threw for under 200 yards with uh, Michael Jackson, Julian Love, a lot of a lot of backups coming in, and they were ready. And so... I, th- I think that was the beauty of this win was it was like it, it wasn't one guy. It was a team win. Everybody was ready to do it. It was it was a beautiful thing to see. We will remember it, though, as the Drew Lock game, as we probably should. It was it was pretty great. Yeah. And, and to your point, you know, the one thing that I noticed, um, in fact, I was talking to the original Hawk, my dad, last night over dinner. And we were talking about this game. And something that came up in conversation was this had a classic Seahawks game feel to it in that it, it we weren't going to make the first mistake or for that matter, the second mistake. And it, even uh, something I noticed as you watch the stat line, I think we got into about the third quarter. Drew Locke still he had thrown for like 112 yards. I mean, obviously, like it's not like he was lighting the world on fire. But what he was, was efficient, right? I mean, he was 112 yards, but it was like 12 for 14. I mean, it was one of those stat lines where it's like, okay, he's he's getting it to who he wants to get it to. And and my takeaway uh, in a game like this, to me, there is one thing that was classic Pete Carroll, which is, guys, we are not going to make the first mistake. Hold. It, it was kind of one of those games. Hold. Hold. I know you want to make a mistake. Nope, don't. Just easy chill, hold, and then suddenly what's Hurts do? He throws the interception. All right, let's just keep holding. Like, let's not make the big mistake. Let's not open ourselves up to this game falling apart. Let's let the other team do that. And to me, that's a big part of this game. It was um, the discipline even that Drew Locke showed, right? I mean, he's a bit of a gunslinger. He kind of kept, you know, he kept the guns in in the holsters this time and just kind of Played it very down the middle. I'm not going to make a mistake and I'll make kind of classic Russell in some ways that one or two big play that I need. And I mean, talk about winning a game in the fourth quarter, what we've come to love and respect and and cherish about a Pete Carroll team. 
this this was a bit of a throwback. This felt a bit classic, didn't it? I was I was thinking about the Drew Lock discipline throughout the game. I think he had about 110 yards actually when he walked onto the field for that last drive with 92 yards to go. Because I I think I remember having the thought of like, well, he's had 110 or whatever so far, and there's 92 to go right now. And nonetheless, I had a good feeling about it because I did think that was actually the game plan. I, I do think you're correct. I think they had the thought of like, Drew. You know, today what's going to be really important is zero interceptions, and we're we're going to work backwards from that. That's priority one. He executed the game plan, trusted the coaches, and then when you're in that situation where you do have to have a 92 yard drive for the touchdown, you can let it rip a little more. Um, some of those throws to DK were in pretty tight windows on that last drive, and it's like, yeah, yeah, some of those balls were in danger, but it, that was like. Such it was aggressiveness, but such targeted, like purposeful aggressiveness. Like you need you need a touchdown right now. And if you have to put it in a tight window, you have to do it. And he I I think the C I was afraid the Seahawks lost Drew Locke in this game. He is a free agent in the offseason. And if you're the the Falcons, you know, uh that was the team I kept on thinking of was the Falcons. I'm sure there's five or six others who have struggled with quarterbacks. You're looking at this going like Oh boy, <laughs> you know, thank you that this guy's going to be a free agent in the off season. So I hope it's not the case. I'd love to have Drew Locke back on the team next year. Cause even in the loss against the Niners last week, it was still a pretty well-played game, but he showed you could erase those, those big interceptions. And, and yeah, I, I think, I think some teams would be very wise to bid for his services next year. Cause still a young man, still, still just getting this started. Absolutely. No, absolutely. There, there was there was something fun about watching him. I mean, I hope this is a, the, the come out game for True Lock where he really is coming into into form. Um, to me, the, the other piece of this I loved on offense was and I can't remember exactly when it was, but you'll remember this, the sequence where they just kept running the football, where it's, it's, there was like five or six plays in a row where it's like, Ken Walker, Ken Walker, Ken Walker. And I there's something about the moment when you make a defense stop you. And they did eventually, right? I mean, if you keep running, eventually they will stop it. But when you put the onus on the defense, like, oh, we're not we're not changing. You you figure it out. You figure out a way to change. And I think that had a big impact in the game in general of opening opening things up for the receivers um, and cleaning things up a little bit for Drew. And I think something happens sometimes to a quarterback and maybe to an offensive coordinator when you're when you're your running backs are really gouging the other team and you start running at will and you realize like all right we I mean we really can play this conservatively we we really don't have to get silly like let's let's lean into Kenneth Walker and I thought it was such a great game for Kenneth in that way I mean it was one of those like to a fault we're going to lean on you and you're going to take us all the way. I, I don't know. There's an old school kind of vibe about that that I love. No, I think you're talking about the touchdown drive to start the second half. And that yes. was actually, it's okay if I dip into this river uh, early because oh, th yeah. this was where my Pete Nugget was. Um, he talked about that. So uh, we go off last, I go off last week about how high their uh, touchdown percentage is on first drive of the game. 
Uh, this game starts to get a three and out immediately. <laughs> uh, but then Pete talked about that that drive, their first offensive play started with a, a pre-snap penalty. So first and 15 off the bat. And Pete talked about how they kind of, did you catch this on Brock and Salk? And it seems, <laughs> I wrote it down, but even though I wrote it down, I feel like I got it wrong somehow. He said they kind of like transferred their first drive script. They were just like, because they were receiving the kickoff in the second half and said, okay, we're just going to do this to start off the second half. And then that was the drive. It was a nine-yard drive for 75 yards. Most of it Kenneth uh, Walker and got the touchdown. <laughs> did, did you catch that at all? No, I, and in fact, I was traveling um, Tuesday, and so I, I was with my family basically the whole day, and I, I haven't, I mean – little inside baseball, a little behind the curtain over here, unprofessionalism. I did not listen to the Brock and Salk uh, interview with old Pete. So this is news to me. That is unbelievable that they like that. They just kind of transferred the script. I mean, it's kind of hilarious. It's like, oh, yeah, it still works. We'll just <laughs> we'll just use it in the second half instead. Well, I was a little bit like, why not use it? Um so I went back and I watched that drive because, okay, the first half is going on and the Hawks are facing a real deficit in terms of time, time of possession and yep. snaps. But I was looking at it like I felt pretty good because that was happening and, and that can really make a game get out of order pretty quick. But I felt like the Eagles were doing the same thing that the Hawks had been guilty of in, in previous games, like the last one against the Rams of, not putting a team away when you do have that play-by-play rhythm to your advantage because I don't have the numbers here, but, I mean, it, it was bad. Like, the, the Eagles at a point deep into the first half probably had twice as many snaps as the Seahawks, but the score going into the locker room was 10-3. to And I was like, okay, you, you can overcome this. And so that first drive to start the second half, again, 75 yards for the touchdown, mostly Kenneth Walker. I did feel like... That was the first season-saving drive. I think that it felt like there were two season-saving drives. That was the first one. That was mostly Kenneth Walker. And I went back and watched it because I was like, I felt like there was, I got to talk about it, those sweet, sweet tight ends. I was like, it felt like there were a lot of tight ends on, on that drive. And that's correct. So nine offensive plays. They were all positive plays. Uh, four of the plays had one tight end, and five of them had two tight ends. That's hmm. a lot of tight ends out there uh and even so out of the four plays with one tight end they had jake bobo in on three out of those four and bobo is somewhere between a a wide receiver and in a tight end you know he's kind of in his own region there so a lot of blocking so kenneth walker did a great job but they and they had all three of those tight ends fant disley parkinson all rotating in and out and what i really liked was the last two plays of the drive they had two tight ends in First went to a pass, then went to a run, and and I think and the the touchdown where Drew Locke is having that awesome block down the field. You had Fant blocking at the line of scrimmage and Parkinson blocking down the field, but that's what that's the whole reason why I want these tight ends out there so much because out of the same formation, you it's very hard to predict run or pass because they're they're very skilled at executing both of those things, and I think keeping it unpredictable like that really opened up because they just, this, the Hawks just had like a five-yard pass play with these two tight ends lined up in the backfield. Then they come out and do it again, but it's a running play, and Walker's able to go for that 20-plus yard uh, touchdown. I, I thought it was 
I thought it was a masterpiece, and they really needed that, or else, or else this, you know, the defense was going to start to get really tired, and the game was probably going to get out of control. I, I did think that drive saved the season. I I could not agree more. When I was watching it, I I think it was on Friday. Um, I think it was on Friday. Brock brought up a really good point of like if. If you keep this this Monday night crowd, right, this Monday night Seattle crowd, if you keep them involved, if you give them a reason to cheer, they will flip this game for you. They will help win this game. But if you don't, right, I mean, if you if you instantly have problems, if you instantly get behind, then it makes it very hard as a as a fan to be engaged and to affect the game the way you want to. Um, to me. That was a that was an electricity drive for the crowd. That was you can almost picture like little, you know, uh, lightning bolts kind of going. Yeah, just kind of, you know, kind of Madden or yeah, yeah. What what was it? Um, Madden NFL Blitz kind of vibe of just the like electric lightning kind of going through the entire stadium and you could feel the energy level increase with the with the 12th man in there and that's huge. I mean, that's that is the advantage that we have playing um, in our stadium. And and man, just knowing myself, knowing football fans, when you run against another team, there's almost nothing that gets a football fan more excited than those big running plays because it's demoralizing. Like you can see that it's hurting the defense. You can see that they're angry and that they can't stop you. Um and yeah, to your point, I think that not only was a season saving drive, that was a drive that kept the 12s involved for the rest of the game. And it, it said, we have a chance, we have a shot, like just stick with them, let's go. Um, and when when the Seahawks can harness the, the energy of the 12th man in a Monday night type environment, it's so powerful. It's such a big deal. So yeah, no, I, I totally agree, man. It, what an absolutely amazing drive. And well, that final, that final run into the end zone what was that 23 yards, something like that. 20, I think it was 23. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, to, to cap it off with an explosive run play is just, it's an incredible, I mean, it's as, as sweet as you can get. I love it. Well, even sweeter was Drew Locke made a, and it wasn't a quarterback's block. Nope, nope, yep, it was great. And he, that was twenty three yards down the field. That was that was at the goal line. I mean, he had to book it down there. You don't really, I don't even know if I want to see that play so much from, from your quarterback. Uh, but it happened, and, and that got me jacked up more than uh, just about anything else all year. Because I mean, man, I mean, you had to. You have to want that. You, I mean, you, you got to get 23 yards down the field as the quarterback to make a block. I mean, yeah. I wonder if they even coached that or if he just did it. You know, it's it's hard to even imagine them like saying like, okay, Drew, you got to get, you know, he just did it though. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Use that, that um, athleticism and get all the way down the field for this huge, huge, huge block. Although in that same end zone, there was another quarterback that made another really good block for the most famous running back of all time, Marshawn Lynch. And I, I distinctly remember a very old and slow Matt Hasselbeck um, leading the way, maybe not leading the way, but he got his butt down there for the beast quake and he did his very best. He, he didn't make as good of a block as Drew made, um, 
but it's cool when you see that, when you see the quarterback is actually efforting down the field. I mean, it's like, yeah, that again, I don't know. There, there's such a blue collar kind of vibe to a, a good running game. And when you see, you know, the white collar of the white collar being the quarterback, get involved in it, you know, and suddenly it's like, yeah, I can block to you. Like, let's go. I don't know. It's a football play as dumb as that is to say. And I, I get it. It's like, oh, he's just a football player. That's just a football play. But it is. I mean, that's the only way you can describe a quarterback blocking 23 yards down the field. That's a it's just a, it's a good football play. And as, as maybe like old school as it sounds, there's no way it didn't make a huge difference for the players. I mean, that's that's something when, when you're on a team and you're with all these guys all the time and you're seeing what's happening. I mean, that really you're no longer concerned like, oh, do we, we have a backup in here, you know, against this really good team. You're going. We got our guy Drew in here. He just laid out this block. It's, it's occurring to me now, you know, it's not like Kenneth Walker's jogging down there. He's he's running at full speed. So Locke really had to book it down there, you know, the whole time in order to be ahead of the ball. Yeah. And make that. And I think that there's no way that didn't get everybody just totally jacked up and, and full of confidence in him when, when that last drive uh, came. It it was cool, man, and and just what a magical again, what what a magical game in general. Um, and you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but this is the script that you and I were talking about. If you can figure out a way to win this game, now suddenly that ten wins is a real opportunity. One game at a time, all that stuff. We all know it, and yet it, it's now on the table to be able to do that versus. Um, you lose this game and now you're just you're clawing to try to get to nine wins. Um, pre- pretty exciting. I mean, to your season, season saving. What was it that I saw with a loss? Their playoff chances goes to 10 percent with a win. Their playoff chances went to 49 percent. So, I mean, that's as big of a swing statistically as you're going to get this time of the year. So, I mean, absolutely massive game. And. You know, with, with all of the chatter around this team the last couple of weeks, it occurs to me what a big game just to get all of that out of your mouth, right? Just to to it's it's like a mouthwash, and now suddenly like that bad taste is out, and winning cures everything, right? It solves all the problems. If if you win a close game against the Rams, or if you win a close game against Dallas, we're probably not even having these conversations of is this team falling apart. And the idea that you, you get this win and now suddenly everything looks a lot rosier. It's funny how simple these things really are. I mean, you just you got to win. And and we've had some close games. This is the close game that we ended up win, winning um, through this hard kind of gauntlet of a schedule. And, and now we're on the other side of it. So, you know, I, I think you brought this up the other day. Hopefully they get into this part of the schedule and they're so battle hardened because of these four or five games from uh, against such good opponents that now that we get into the easier side, hopefully we're, you know, we've been running uphill with a weighted jacket or a weighted vest. And and now we take that weighted vest off and it's like, Oh man, I'm, I'm as light as a feather. Yeah. Like I can go. So, I mean, that's gotta be the hope now going into it that, you know, everything has a price, right? So you you play really, really good teams, and the price potentially is that you lose those games against really good teams. But the other side of it is that you are going to get something out of playing really good teams, which is you're going to learn something about your team that that you hadn't known before. You're going to get better. Um, so hopefully that that's 
something that we can exact out of this. Hopefully we can, um, or we, hopefully the team can really harvest um, the opportunity now from playing really good competition. Now we kind of play more normal teams and, you know, the, the, the world's our oyster. At least that's, that's what I'm holding on to now that, I mean, it'd be nice. We talked about it. You only get one or two games a year, right? Where everything clicks, the defense, the offense, the special teams. Can we get one of those in the next three weeks? Can we have a game where it's like, man, this all is coming together. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, you know, I I really do uh, believe in that weighted jacket thing, and they're coming off such a, a moment of believing in each other that it, it does kind of feel like they're going to start sprinting with without the weighted vest on, <laughs> and, then, and then I and then I also go like, well, isn't this what trap games are? Do we have three trap games in a row? But then it's like, well, they're also out of the playoff picture at the moment, so you have to, you still have to fight your way back in. Um, so yeah, I. I actually do expect this team to finish with 10 wins, how, how it's gone. I mean, obviously, we'll see how it goes, but uh, that is what I, I I do actually think it'll happen, that that they'll end the year on a four-game winning streak, which sounds like a big thing to predict, but it feels like the most practical outcome at this point. Uh, you know, Titans, Cardinals, uh, Titans, Steelers, Cardinals in that order. It feels very practical to say 10-7 and seven to wrap up the year. Man, it would be beautiful, and that's the beauty of sports, right? We, we have no idea what's going to happen. We go into it, the the tension, the, the whole thing is going to be great. Um, you've been tracking DK Metcalf this entire year, it seems like. I, I would just love to hear your your breakdown, your thoughts, your, your takeaway on DK. Um, I know this is going to be a slightly shorter episode, but I got to hear what you got to say about DK just because he has, I feel like he's been an interesting storyline that you've been, you've been tracking all year. It's true. And I, uh, yes. So 92 yards for the, for the final drive, um, 58 of them went to DK Metcalf on three catches. So before that drive, he had had one catch on the day. He drew at least one penalty though. I, I think two. Um, he he drew at least one flag, so it's now so he was producing outside of the typical line. But watching that drive back, all three catches were hard. He had to go and get all of them. And I know uh, it was very bizarre that the Eagles made uh, their changes on the defensive end and or, uh, with their defensive play callers that had Matt Patricia in there. I didn't realize Matt Patricia was a member of the Eagles coaching staff. I didn't know this week. and. Uh, he's man. I remember when Matt Patricia was a cool story. Do you remember that? Cause he went to like an engineering college and it's like, this guy worked up from engineering college and now he's the Patriots D coordinator. And then it's like, somehow he's become, he, he's become this target for everybody. I'm not sophisticated enough to know the defensive coverages. I know he got roasted for how he was doing. Uh, I know KJ Wright had a lot of things to say about how Patricia was calling the defense especially in that last drive. But I thought, hey, DK had these huge degree of difficulty catches. They're very close to being interceptions. He had to go attack the catch point on all of them. Uh, and yeah, I was, I, I, I loved it. And it's, it's a, yet another, another moment of DK coming up biggest in the fourth quarter, which is, was not the case the first um, couple months of the year. But when, when they've needed him in every, Every close fourth quarter now, it's it's DK coming up huge in some way or another, and uh, my cap is held aloft. 
Um, Miles, before the internet, do you happen to remember that websites, web pages used to be on actual paper and you would, you would buy these reams of paper at, you know, they had like these little metal machines. You could buy websites in paper form, but you just buy one website at a time for like 50 cents. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever heard of these things before? It's a, it's a bygone era. Uh, I think it would it would take like the refresh would take like a full twenty four hours though if you wanted to refresh the page to see what was new. That's I right. I think I remember this. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So um, I think they were called newspapers. And yes, um, that's it. That's it. While while I was having breakfast this morning, our hotel um, again, you know, I'm I'm in Seattle, uh, and there was a Seattle Times, and so I looked at my dad. In fact, we're, we're having breakfast together, and and I I grabbed the paper that he, that he uh, took from the front. And I'm looking at it and I'm clicking on the paper. Nothing happens, by the way. You just you hold you hold this thing. It's very static. Um, but I flipped to the back and I saw I believe it was a, an article by Bob Condota and it was interviewing um, uh, it was interviewing DK about the final drive. And he asked they asked the question during the press conference, apparently what was your favorite catch on that final drive? Do you, do you know his answer? Have you read this or, or did you listen to it? I haven't seen one of these paper internets in a while. Okay. Um, so I, I missed, I missed that one. Yeah. Can you guess what DK's favorite catch on the final drive was? I'm going to guess that first one because it was kind of missed thrown and he really even, and it just kind of got the drive started. Uh, that was kind of my favorite one. It was the unsung hero of the drive. It's going to warm the cackles of your heart when I tell you his favorite catch was to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. It was a, it, he was being a little yeah, tricky. Yeah. Okay, okay, DK. Yeah. That's a good answer. It's a good answer for the media. It's a hell of an answer. Um, and I believe it. I, I, you know, DK, obviously, he has his, his, his emotional ups and downs. Um, but I think I believe that. I think I believe, you know, Hey, I like Jackson's catch there at the end. That's, I just, thought it was a real classy, you know, I, I listen, DK goes crazy. He gets in fights. He, he sometimes doesn't do the right thing and it's easy to mention those things, but I think it's also important to mention a positive thing like that. And I think it was a, a stand up thing, especially for, you know, to, to say that of your rookie teammate. Right. And, and I think there's a kind of a cool bit of leadership there. So anyway, shout out to DK Metcalf. My uh, hat is also tipped to you, sir. Unbelievable. I mean, really, really. And the fact even better, the fact that throughout the TV broadcast, they kept talking about how little DK was involved in the game. And then for him just to take it over in the final drive was incredible. I mean, it was um, takeover is the only way you can describe when an athlete does what DK did on that final drive. Absolutely. As I was watching this and I'm seeing some backup after backup out there, Drew Locke, quarterback Artie Burns Michael Jackson at cornerback it really made me think that this was a Pete Carroll victory and it got me thinking Pete just has unbelievable and I know this hasn't happened with every single transaction every single guy who's walked into the building over 14 years but Pete has unbelievable success with guys who have been beaten down by their past NFL experience I think there's kind of he if you've been beaten down by your past NFL experience or 
if you get drafted by the Seahawks and being around Pete is your first NFL experience and you're open to what's happening, I think you end up having a successful career. There's, there's, I mean, we mentioned the name Marshawn Lynch. There was a time when Marshawn Lynch was considered an unreliable bust. Yeah. And the Seahawks did not have to trade very much to get him in the building. And he's an NFL legend, as, as he should be. And um, on the other hand, because we did have Jamal Adams not in the building. He wasn't healthy to play the game, but he ended up not being in the building, which felt bizarre to me. Uh, we obviously don't know enough details to really comment on it more than that, than, than just say, hey, this usually doesn't happen. Uh, it just made me think that guys who have had success previously in the NFL, and I'm thinking all the way back to Percy Harvin, I think there's something about it where it doesn't quite work as well to, to to be led by Pete in that way. And I don't even know if Pete and John realize this about themselves because they do keep on continually making big trades for established veteran players like going back to Percy Harvin, Jimmy Graham, the Jamal Adams experience. It's hard to say it's been worth all the draft picks for as good of a, a player as he is. It's, you know, it's not that he's not a good player, but it's hard to say that helped propel the team forward. But anyway, it just made me think that, hey, I, I think they they don't even maybe realize this about themselves, that that they can really build a person with talent back up. And it made me think that there's, there's all this talent lying around the NFL. And sometimes, like with Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy, it's kind of a scheme or like an analytical situation. That that helps like get all that helps them to succeed. But I, I think with Pete, it's kind of the opposite of just like if you're Drew Locke and you saw how much the win mattered to him, how much his confidence was shaken just by by getting traded away by the Broncos, the team that drafted him. You know, he, he'll just he'll build you up, and I I think that they can. I think they can play that to their advantage a little more often in, in free agency. I, I think it's, it's not so static as saying that like, Oh, this is, it was a great player at another team sign him to a big free agent contract, make a big trade for him. He'll be a great player for the Seahawks. I think, I think, I think it's a little like opposite, <laughs> The energy like works in an opposite way with Pete. Uh, I think compared to the average coach and the, the average team, because the other thing I was thinking of, even though this, like there's very few players during this whole Pete, John Schneider era who went on to have a better time with another team than they had with the Seahawks. Like Golden uh, Golden Tate kind of priced himself out of the Hawks. But after that, you're kind of looking at like James Carpenter, Breno Giacomini, like not very many players actually had a better time with the Seahawks, a better time after they left the Seahawks. Anyway, what do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's been true of, of, basically every player that it hasn't been better on the other side. And I think most of those guys didn't want to go. I mean, I think most of those guys wanted to stay and it's hard for them when they have to leave. And then when they come back, they realize, holy moly, it's, it's different here. Um, but yeah, to your point, Pete Carroll, give me your, um, give, w- w- what is it on the statue? Give you're, me your yeah. weary, give me your downcast, give Little me your massive. heavy burden. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, there's something about that vibe, but I like the distinction. It's not the same way that a Kyle Shanahan does it, which is also a great way, right? I have this scheme that will just fix you. This is, no, you're really good. You're here for a reason. 
we we've seen you for your entire life. We have tape on you since you were in high school. We know you're awesome. Let's 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 get you back to where you like. Let's let's get you back to who you are. And and you are excellent as a football player. And there's something about that message to your point that really resonates with someone who has been kicked in the face a couple of times versus someone who is still at the top of their game and everyone is saying you're great, right? Like there's something to be said for, um, for Pete Carroll believing in you and he does it over and over again. And, and, uh, Drew was very open about that, right? Like afterwards talking about the belief that, you know, Pete and the team had in him and the confidence of, of being out there together. Um, and I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever seen someone, be as open to and willing to just keep talking to the sideline reporter as Drew Locke was at the end of that game. Like Drew was kind of soaking up the the moment of like, you're interviewing me. Like you're talking to me about how I, how well I did in this game. And, and I bless his heart. Like you could just tell he was happy. He was just happy to, to have helped the team. So yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. It made me think back to the giants game. Gino gets smoked on the, should be a legal hit on the sideline. Drew's got to come in. And, and we both noted at that time that, you know, Pete was pumping him up on the sideline. And you just, as simple as it is, and as you're saying, we have tape on you from high school. We believe in you. You don't get that from every NFL coach. And here's what I'm saying. When Drew Locke becomes a starting quarterback for the Falcons next year and the Hawks bring in Zach Wilson as Geno's backup, I'll, I'm ready to believe. And what happened in the past doesn't matter because Zach will be remade anew uh, with with Pete. That's what I'm ready for. I'm ready for it to happen. I think it was uh, I think it was Maddie Brown of the uh, um, the the Seahawks Overload podcast. I, I think he tweeted something like uh, Seattle QB University or something like that. Like just this idea that now Pete is just turning out QBs, which is kind of hilarious, but. There does seems to be some sort of a correlation of this is a place where you can get a good rehab, right? Like if you're if you're a quarterback, um, you want to hear some snap counts? Oh, please. So snap counts today is not brought to you by the Olympic Fairmont Hotel or the Fairmont Hotel um, in downtown Seattle. I, they would have loved to be. A, uh, they are. I will say this. I, I have complimentary Wi-Fi that we're currently on right now. So in some ways it is sponsored by the Olympic hotel because we're on their Wi-Fi. So, so thank you to the it department um, of, uh, of the Fairmont here in, in downtown Seattle snap counts, a couple of cool ones um, that I'll mention, but let, let's just start from the top as usual. Bradford, a hundred percent seems like he had a bit of a tough game. Like he, he got beat a couple of times on the inside um, talking about Anthony Bradford. There was one where, Jalen Carter just seemed to evaporate him into thin air and went after Drew pretty hard. That, that was a tough one. Um, but he was in there the whole time. Um, and I would like to think, not that I am an expert in breaking down offensive guard tape, but usually when you're running the football pretty well, he's pretty good at moving people. So I, I'd like to think he was a big part of that running game success. And there were, I think, only two sacks allowed, including that Carter one, which is a, a great number. That's great. Yeah, yeah. They 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 were doing a pretty good job. And in fact, I think, um, I think Drew was only pressured or or QB hits. I think there was only two QB hits as well. So beyond sacks, it, it was it was pretty clean. JSN sixty nine percent. No no surprise. Charbonnet forty four. 
Um, here's some numbers, though, that are starting to boost back up, which I was real happy about. Um, Bobo, 23% of the snaps. That seems right, doesn't it? That that feels like a good number that he was out there. And I think that plays into your three and two tight end sets and Bobo being out there blocking as well on those. So, you know, kind of the, the versatility of, of Jake. Derek Hall, 14%. Would love to see that number increase. You know, my guy, Cam Young, 17%. So first of all, I'm happy with that number. Can I tell you, though, I actually noticed Cam in the game for the first brotherly shove. He was in there. He was right in the middle of the first brotherly shove. Now, did they convert that shove? Yes. So Cam Young wasn't able to stop it. No one seems to be able to stop it anyway. But I was just happy to see live on the broadcast. I was like, oh, there's there's big Cam Young right in the middle. Um, I think he was lined up over the right guard and, um, you know, they went right through him. But they've gone right through everyone with the brotherly shove. And I'd like to just mention one thing about the shove in general. And I'm proud to say this. This whole season, you know, you keep hearing, will they allow this next year? And the whole season, I've thought, yeah, they should. Like, people have to stop them. Like, you know, the, don't disallow a play because other teams suck. Like, make other teams figure out a way to stop them. They're playing within the rules. It's fine. Um, but it's always different, right? When it's your team, suddenly, you know, maybe your your perspective changes. Mine hasn't either. We couldn't stop the brotherly shove. And I feel the same way I felt in the beginning. That's our problem. It's not It's not Philly's problem that, that no one can stop it. We have to figure out a way to stop it. So I say more power to you. Keep using the brother, the brotherly shove. And I hope they don't change this, this rule because I think it'll be fun to watch defenses have to eventually figure it out. Or, you know, you brought this up before. It could just be that someone gets hurt eventually. And, and that's why they stop it. But either way, I don't think they should regulate it out of the game. Now, there's maybe a 5% chance of this happening, but Hawks face the Eagles in the playoffs. What's our commitment to each other? Uh, <laughs> if, um, you know, if we're, we're in the wild card round and uh, it's all coming down to a shove, what, 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 let's commit now what yeah. we would say. I know, I know the percentage chance is low, but it's far from zero. It's far Better. from zero. I'll just say this better keep him out of third and one. I mean, that's, that is, I'll, yeah, that's no, my I message. Agree. That's my message to the NFL. Keep them out of third and one. Like if, when we're talking, when it's second and six, you, you better, you better get that tackle, make it a third and two. And they're not going to run the, they're not going to run it, but third and one, they're going to run it. So you better figure it out. Hey, that's great. We're, we'll keep that commitment. And here's here's what I would say, since since we're not film experts, which, uh, but you know what? There's a lot of film experts out there. This is such a black box of why does this work for the Eagles and not for anybody else? Well, how is there not a 10-minute YouTube video that's like, here's the difference. Here's what the Eagles are doing. Here's how everybody else is failing. That thing, that thing would have five million views, and and I'd like to see it too, because it feels like something about Jason Kelsey's leverage at center. But it's like he's not the only good center out there. Anyway, he's what, what the, a what a great mystery that that he's, is. Yeah, he's not the only strong center in the league. I do like that that one brotherly shove. They like audibled out of it, right? And they did the 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 play to the left. They ran the ball to the left hand side. I was yeah. gonna say that too. I I I was like, dang. 
that was good. That there really go. worked. I, I I had to respect it. I respected it, and and yeah, I think keep they, it coming. Yeah, and I, I'm curious. I'd be curious if they just were like, yeah, we did this just to screw with you know, like this is just part of our game plan, or if it was like, yeah, you know what, Seattle committed so hard to the bro- brotherly blah 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 the brotherly shove that we didn't feel confident we were going to get the yardage. So in these moments when a team overcommits, we just automatically audible out of it to this play. Um, but it, it, it gave me a slight bit of pride. Like, Hey, they couldn't, they couldn't run their play. So we stopped. Oh, that's them. funny. My thought was like, that's just how the NFL works. When one, if one thing's working, it, it opens up other weapons. Yeah. So, um, Absolutely. Um, I have a I have an audible to 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 throw at you right now, and I'm just going to do it live on the podcast because everyone knows I'm at the the hotel. Here's the issue: my mom yeah, what is, room number. <laughs> my mom is in the lobby, and she needs uh she needs someone to to help her uh get up the elevator because she doesn't have a room key. My uh, mom should, call, she, should she wait fifteen minutes. The while we break down the Titans game, or should we we go help her right now? She's calling me as we speak. Give me give me one moment. I'm actually gonna be a professional and pause the podcast. Okay, we are back. Mom has been taken care of. Miles, it's time for us to end the podcast. I'm I'm gonna have a hotel room full of people. Really quickly, how do you feel about the Titans game? Um, I got about 30 minutes quickly on their offensive line. Should I save that for now or or later? Should I do that right now? I'll go. I say, say later. What about right now? Later? Be, okay, later, okay, be later. Okay, yeah. later. Later. Yeah. Um, I think we're gonna win. Um Derek Henry, he's a load. He's gonna give us trouble, but I'm going to predict that this I'm gonna predict that you're right. The the weighted vest is coming off. We're gonna we're gonna play some football the next three weeks, and it's gonna we're gonna win. We're gonna beat the Titans by more than 10 points. That is my prediction. Me too. It is what I was thinking. That is you what bet. I was thinking. Um, great being with you, my friend. Go Hawks. Great, great freaking win versus the, the Eagles. Best of luck to all of our friends in Philly. We'll talk after another Seahawks victory next week. And it'll be another Northwestern conversation, by the way, because I'll still be up here. So mm, can't wait for it. All right. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>